We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind Casino, still the one, and by Allstate, Proud partner of Oklahoma Athletics. Now, here's Chris Plank. Welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. How's it going? With Toby Rowland, the voice of the Sooners, I'm Chris Plank. Good to be back in the studio. Welcome back. One was upstairs, one was downstairs. Now, fully vaxxed, we can hang out together. Oh, like that's it. right. Yeah, we haven't got to hang out in a while, have we? I know. It's good to see your nose and mouth again, Chris Plank. You just Been saw it in, in the worst angle you could possibly have of me whenever we're sitting up doing the interviews. That no, chair, you look great at all. The angles. up chair, upstairs chair here. We have okay. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard. This it's is hard to get a good inside baseball. But we have two studios. We have a downstairs studio and we have an upstairs studio. And the upstairs studios have two of the most comfortable seats ever. Correct. But there is not a good angle for someone with a double chin. Yeah, so, or a belly. Or a belly. So mm-hmm. it, it's really tough for me to talk to the players. But, hey, thanks for hanging out with us. This is cool for us because we do this live during the football season. We're working on a way to where we, where we can do it live during the entire season as well. Um, Technology is an amazing thing, man. But we're here. 
What are we what, on live right now? We're on Facebook Live right now, InsignaSports.tv, from my understanding. But that's, who knows? Hi, everyone. They could be illegally streamed somewhere as well. All right, Lincoln Riley press conference just wrapped up, and it's kind of what we knew. This is what, or kind of what we know. This is how we start the pod every single Tuesday, what we learned, what we got into. It was his first one with the um, – uh, first one in game week, obviously, but anything really stand out to you from what we learned from Coach today? Well, a few things that I thought were interesting. A lot of talk about running back depth, which is a major sure. concern because of the departures that they've had in the preseason. Uh, we know Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray are going to probably carry a bulk of the load, but Lincoln had some uh, glowing things to say about the weatherman, Jaden Knowles, <laughs> and... Uh, Todd Hudson as well, and, and even alluded at the end of the press conference about perhaps Brian Darby he was asked yep. about, could make some carries or some other wide receivers. I think that uh, there are several. I think Mario Williams could be an option for him. He said, you know, until we're pressed into that situation, we've got two very good running backs. But that's going to be a storyline for this team, I think, all year long, certainly as early in the year. You're down to two scholarship guys. Now, they're good. Right. And they got a chance to be one of the best one-two punches in the country, but got to stay healthy. And you don't want to wear them out before into the season rolls around. And I'm really excited to see, and I know you are too, Chris, what Eric Gray can do. We got a glimpse of him in the spring game. We've seen his film, obviously, from Tennessee. Heard glowing things from Lincoln Riley and, and everybody in that Sooner locker room. But... He's got a chance to add another dimension to this offense. You can tell how long it's been since I've been on TV. I started the show with my gum in. Very unprofessional <laughs> move. I, you know, and if you want to get Toby Rowland fired up, all you have to do is question one Kennedy Brooks because as we're all excited about Eric Gray, see, I didn't even get, I didn't get to go to the spring game uh -huh. because I was covering OU softball. So I'm excited Saturday to see him in person for the first time. But do not doubt one Kennedy Brooks because all he's done in his career, T-Row, is average 7.3 five yards per carry that's a 2019 number so it's been a couple of years 2,000 yard seasons a year to make sure he was safe from COVID and you know in our position previews on the Sooner Sports podcast at Soonersports.com slash podcast DeMarco Murray talked about maybe it took him a little while to get going but once he got going it was rolling and I'm excited to see him back he is perfect for this offense yeah I mean I just think we overlook him and our fans or media or whoever overlooks him and he was out of sight, out of mind a little bit last year. Sure. So I get that to some extent. But, I mean, the guy's averaging seven and a half <laughs> yards a carry in his career. Like you said, he's had 2,000-yard seasons. It, he just doesn't have flash to his game. So I think maybe that's part of the mm -hmm. reason. He's smooth. And he has figured out that guard tackle pull play that OU runs, that counter play that OU runs so well. And so he's not, you know, he's not jumping over guys. There's right. not quickness. He's not breaking ankles, all that kind of stuff. But you look up at the end of the game, and he's got 100, 150 <laughs> yards. So I would just say, let's don't forget Kennedy Brooks is a really good football player. The couple things stood out to me from Lincoln today, and we'll, we'll talk more about the running backs coming up in just a bit. But Andy Staples was in town, the athletic. He, he had covered the Cowboys-Jaguars game and, and came up to cover Lincoln's press conference. And he talked about that Position versatility. I think the term positionless has been used quite a bit. That Calvin Thibodeau talks about that on the uh, on the defensive line, and not not to take a massive jump from offense to defense here, but I'm really excited about Steve, uh, Speed D's depth on that D line and sure. that, that versatility yeah. because 
Now you get to move Isaiah Thomas, who was shifted back inside last year because of the depth they had when Ronnie Perkins came back. He moves back outside, might be more comfortable for him. Oh, speaking of guys who are back, some dude named Jalen Redman, who yeah. was wreaking havoc on offensive lines before he opted out last year. And yeah, then you've got Nick Perry Benito. On, yeah, exactly. Perry on Winfrey. Perry on Winfrey, who is being projected as a first Ron round Stokes. pick. Grandpa Stokes is in there. Ellison. We forget about guys. Um, and see, I just forgot about Kelly. I forgot about um, Jordan Kelly. Jordan, what Jordan Kelly had done on the inside, too, out of, out of Union. We could go all day long with the depth that they have on the defensive line. So to, to hear Coach talk about how that has been big for competition was, was exciting for me to think about how deep they are on the defensive line. It's got a chance to be a difference-making position. Needs yeah, to be a difference-making position for them this year because of what you just mentioned, because of the talent and the depth. The positionless idea is something that's kind of been all vogue in basketball, college basketball, especially in recent years. You know, we used to have the point guard the shooting guard, small forward, power forward, the center. Everybody had to fit into a – now you ask basketball coaches about positions. They say, I don't, I don't know. We're going to throw five guys on the court. They all run around. <laughs> they Whoever all has threes. it brings it up. Yeah, they all can handle the ball. Might have a 6'9 guy playing. Who knows? <laughs> so that's kind of made its way here into football a little bit. You got eight to ten guys on that defensive line. Yeah. Well, who's going to line up well? Well, who cares? They're going to get out on the field. They're probably going to shift before the snap anyway. This guy's going to start inside. He's going to move out. They got some men. They've got some beasts on that defensive line, and I'm really looking forward to a big year for that crew. Um, no, well, Jags just a guy. They've got some dudes, right? right? Yeah, they got they got more than Jags. <laughs> yeah. Now, one thing we haven't had a chance to really talk about yet on the podcast, or really in in any official capacity, is that this game is in Norman on Saturday. Uh, the move necessitated by the just absolute devastation of Hurricane Ida. It's one of those to where you like the idea of having this game in Norman. You love the idea of four September home games. You hate the circumstances. You despise the circumstances by which they've happened. But kudos to Oklahoma, Joe Castiglione, Kenny Mossman, all the facilities people that have been involved in, in kind of fast-forwarding the timeline to get ready for Saturday. It's going to be like a Tulane home game, and it, ticket sales are going to go towards Tulane, whose campus will not even reopen until October. We're going to be at home. Everything's going to be like a home game, but you just hate the circumstances around it. You know, I, I was looking forward to going to New Orleans. So were you. We Same. love that city, and hopefully it works out again sometime in the future that, that we can play down there. We had done some research into Uleman Stadium, and we're raring to go down there. Um, I'm just happy that Tulane – is at a place where they feel like it's okay to play a football game. Absolutely. You know, that was very much unknown. I mean, it was a massive storm, and there is tremendous damage. Fortunately, it looks like the city has held up better than it did against, you know, against Katrina, and so they're in a better spot. But there is still a tremendous amount of devastation, and the fact that Tulane and its team and its coaches – families, the administration, everybody feels like it's okay for us to move forward and play a football game. That was the first concern. Yep. Once they decided we want to try to play a game, I think Oklahoma just said, okay, we offer up our stadium. If this is where you decide you would like to play, then we welcome you here and we'll take care of you. If you would rather not play, we completely understand. If you would like to look for somewhere else, we'll go what Birmingham or whatever. You just let us know. So the cooperation, uh, 
that had to take place. And, and Oklahoma understands, you know, we've been through, unfortunately, more than our fair share of tragedy around here as well, um, that Oklahoma and, and Tulane were able to work together to work this out is tremendous. I'm, I'm happy for the people of Norman, the vendors and the community of Norman, that they're going to get an extra bonus home game here. <laughs> and so it's going to be great to be in the Palace on Saturday. It's very, very unfortunate circumstances yeah. as to why we have a surprise home game on Saturday, but I'm glad we were able to work it out. From, uh, from my perspective, it's going to be unique because we're, again, going maybe a little too inside radio here, but on road games, we'll, Gabe and I will do our sideline, our pregame show from the field. Mm -hmm. We don't get that opportunity at home games because we have the party at the Palace, which, again, I love. It's awesome. But we're not doing all of the events that are around a typical home game this week. And so we get to be out on the field two hours before kickoff. So I'm excited to kind of watch Vinny Wiley do his thing, see the team go through their pregame uh, routines. It's, it, it's fun, Toby, because that energy starts building well before kickoff. And full capacity is going to be fun. Here's some good news. Go ahead. You know, one of the best things about having you on the sidelines, and one of the things we always look for in a pregame show is, who is playing? Uh, we're going to be doing that again this year, aren't we? Well, and, and who is not playing. Right. But if you heard Lincoln in his press conference today, he feels pretty good as of Tuesday that his team is in a uh, healthy spot. Both 95 injury-related, COVID-related, yep. vaccination, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's Tuesday, so we got to get to Saturday. <laughs> but it is great because you look around the country, Georgia's had a really tough fall camp as mm -hmm. far as injuries are concerned. So to get to this point in the fall and feel like, you know, they don't have a long list of guys that are banged up is great. All right, are we good on time here? Because we got a couple of other. This is your show, man. I have okay. no idea. I, I just got the thumbs up from our producer, Craig Moran. All right, quarterback, Spencer Rattler. I thought it was great things that Lincoln has said about him. We talked to Spencer for the, for the press conference show. If we didn't get to it, it's on Soonersports.tv, and we'll have it here on the podcast. But I dug seeing that he was voted a captain. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I'm reading too much into that. I don't know if I'm getting too fired up about it. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure people had some preconceived notions if they watched the Elite 11 show that he was on. But, man, he has really developed into a leader. And when your team votes on you as a captain, it's not just because you're the quarterback. I mean, Kyler Murray wasn't a captain whenever he played his final year. That, to me, that said a lot about how Spencer Rattler has developed so far as a leader. I completely agree. Lincoln said... One of the key things for him this year is going to be to stay focused on what matters. And I think that that probably, you know, without saying as much has to do with NIL and extraneous things that go on with potentially a Heisman chase and all that kind of stuff. And last year was a big year for him. It is daunting to step into the shoes of Baker Mayfield, Kyler yep. Murray, uh, Jalen, and, and the kind of the guys that have come before him, and he handled it very well. A little bit rocky early on, but between the ears, he handled it great, and he played spectacular football the second half oh, of the season. Forgot he about had that move. two interceptions total after the Texas game. After he was benched all year, he threw only two picks. Combined last season, 34 touchdowns, passing and rushing, seven interceptions, and only, again, two of those after the Texas game. So he played fantastic football. You would expect him to take a step forward this year. Uh, he's got an incredible bevy of talent at the skill positions. Don't know exactly who's going to step up and win starting jobs and be playmakers other than probably Marvin Mims, but he's got a tremendous amount of talent there. 
And so I think he's going to have a big time year. And back to your point. Yeah, pretty good sign. When your quarterback is voted a team captain, that's what you want. Yeah, and I mean, again, there's some Pat Fields, two-time captain. Awesome, right? Great leader. Caleb Kelly, he's been around for a while. What am I saying? A while. 2016 yeah, was his longer freshman than us. year, right? Um, but Caleb Kelly's been around for a minute. You know, he's can play the inside and the outside, deserving of a captain's spot. Jeremiah Hall, another guy who's been around for a minute, but I don't know what it was. I saw Spencer Rattler, and there was a, yeah. a mini little. All right, let's go. Because to me. That's one area for him that I know he's worked on very hard and that matters a lot to him. And stay focused on what matters is a fascinating line from a head coach, right? It, it can lead to a lot of different inroads. And Spencer's already being talked about, as you said, as a Heisman candidate. I am already looking at mock drafts. They're out there. I, I just looked at a three-round mock draft before. Shocking that Chris Plank is already looking at mock drafts. Major issues. He's projected as the top guy. Yeah. You know him and the kid from Liberty and Sam Howell from North Carolina. So – Stay focused on this team. Spencer Rattler was asked a question about uh, Heisman and, and NIL stuff during his presser the, the last week, and he's like, listen, I'm focused on football right now. And I'm just – this gets me fired up for him going into the season. Now, you mentioned some playmakers. Quick thought on a wide receiver. Uh, great nickname already in Cody Jackson. Kojak, you got to love the right. idea of, of the freshman that we've seen so far from Mario Williams. You mentioned the weapons. I'm really excited – to see some of these young guys get an opportunity, and Austin Stogner is back too. I mean, it's just an endless list, right? Of you know, I, I've heard of, I've heard exciting things about. I feel like twenty-five <laughs> wide receivers <laughs> in the fall. Uh, Jalil Farouk, I've yep. heard some great things coming out of camp about him. But so we know what Marvin is, right? We know Theo and Jaden Hazelwood have some experience, uh, quite a bit of experience for Theo, and have the possibility of being stars. They're five-star guys. Mario Williams comes in with five stars, and I, I think he's going to be such a fun toy for Lincoln to use in a variety of ways in his offense this year. Cody Jackson, Jaleel Farouk, Austin Stogner, don't forget the tight ends. Braden Willis, Braden Willis. I think, could be a big impact guy. You can throw the ball to Jeremiah Hall, Drake Stoops. Uh, who am I forgetting? I mean, there's, there's so You'd many guys. Mims, yeah. There's so many guys, and... Not all of them are going to have monster seasons, but two or three are going to step up and be the go-to guys for Spencer Rattler and Lincoln Riley and this offense this year and who emerges. Can I, can I throw a name real quick? Because it's not you one that you missed, but it's not, it's not a name that's been mentioned much. Trayvon West. Yeah, Trey, no, I've heard great things about Trey. Trey I'll, I'll never forget last year whenever Dennis Simmons came in to do the coach's corner. And, I don't, and, and Coach wouldn't mind me saying this. We were talking about his young guys, and we were doing it all by Zoom. And as we were going to break, he said, listen, you guys aren't talking about him much, but keep an eye on Trayvon West. Trayvon West. So, and I know he left the team for a little bit, but now he's back. I think he's got a chance Mike to be a big-time playmaker. Mike Woods. The Arkansas yes, transfer. I'm telling I mean, there's so many guys. And so, that, that's going to be really interesting. The first, you know, you've got this guys. home stretch here where you play four straight home games to open the season. So, let's take that sample size there and say who becomes before you head down to the Cotton Bowl to take on Texas who becomes the dependable guys in this wide receiver court. I'm excited to see him. Uh, I'm excited to see him in 2021. All right, uh, before we get out of here, uh, let's talk about Speed D a little bit more in depth. We dove into the defensive line. We talked about that rotation. Linebacker, you got you got nine guys in that inside back room for Brian Odom and I think eight of the nine guys have played uh, on the field, which is incredible to just think about the job that he's done. But this secondary, I'm excited to see it. You know, yeah. Justin Harrington is a dude that 
dropped all of our jaws when we, when we just saw the physical presence of him last season. He looks the part. Woody Washington developed and has become, gosh, maybe a, the number one corner on this team right now. This secondary has the potential to be pretty special too. But they're going to they're gonna get tested. We know that. You're going to get tested in this league. Well, yes, and I think uh, Alex Grinch is going to rotate a bunch of guys. I think that um, all season long he wants to rotate on the defensive line. And I think some of the other rotations are just to let the battles continue into the season. Plus, they're going to play. But, I mean, I think Woody Washington, DJ Graham, Jaden Davis, those guys are all going to rotate. I think Delarian Turner-Yell, Pat Fields, Key Lawrence, they're all going to play. Jeremiah Cradell and Billy Bowman at nickel, I think, are both going to play. And I loved your interview with Trouble where he talked about how exciting Billy Bowman has been. He talked about Key Lawrence as mm -hmm. well in that interview. So there's the there's the depth word again. I mean, it's not just across the defensive line. It's across the entire team. Now, they're going to need some of that because there's going to be attrition. There's going to be injuries. It's the nature of football. But it also allows you to be fresher in the fourth quarter of football games. It allows you to be fresher in the fourth quarter of a season if you can play more bodies. Trust more bodies as you go along and it certainly appears you know I remember back to when Alex Grinch first got here and he was looking at his team in the spring and I think we interviewed him in the fall for one of those traveling national shows and said what do you feel like you have on defense and he said well I, I think I've got I think I got 11 guys that I can trust beyond that I'm not sure <laughs> and at the time I thought hey well 11 there is you what go. you need to start so there <laughs> you go now if you ask Alex Grinch that question I think the number is 25 or 30 yeah that he will play and can trust and maybe it's more than that to be on the field so 11 a.m. kick time on Saturday versus Tulane we'll be on the air with the Sooner Radio Network at 9 a.m. Toby is bolting from the Sooner Vision Studios to Rudy's double shot right more, more, more of a saunter saunter it, uh, yeah I got a, I got a little while to get there. you got some time mm -hmm. six to seven you and Gabe is that Gabe, right Gabe Eichard this week we're going to rotate a little bit uh, Gabe Eichard's going to join me for the huddle this week from 6 to 7, so we'll preview the Tulane game. We'll talk all things college football. And then at 7 o'clock, we'll have the, uh, I think the official title is Sooner Sports Talk, but That's we right. call it the Lincoln Riley Show. Teddy will join me all season long to co-host that again this year, which means the return of the Butkus Brain Teaser nice. this season. And uh, uh, Coach was in a great mood, I thought, at his press conference yes. today. So hopefully uh, he's in a great mood tonight. We'll have some fun out at Rudy's. Fifth quarter, too, right? I mean, we got we got questions back this year. We got Clark back this year. I think when fifth quarter gave way to the Butkus brand. That's right. Season. That's right. Yeah. Got now, who's on Coach's Corner with you this week? It is Bill Biedenbow. Oh, great. And I believe Alex Grinch. Yeah. Is that right, Moran? I think so. So there's the rundown. And again, I want to remind you, all of these shows are available on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Uh, as we tape this, it'll hit right on your podcast platform as soon as we're done with the Lincoln Riley Press Conference. Sooner Sports Talk with Lincoln Riley will be in your inbox on Wednesday morning. Thursday, of course, we tape the Coach's Corner show. Uh, actually, we tape it on Wednesday. It airs on Thursday. It'll be in your inbox on Friday, so make sure you subscribe. Toby, good stuff, man. Good Can't to wait. see you again, my friend. Everyone, uh, have a great game week. Make sure in future episodes, we'll get all your comments and all your thoughts here on Facebook. Uh, Facebook. But until then, be safe. Have a great game week, and Boomer Sooner, everybody. All right, thanks, Chris. Good to see everybody. Uh, excited to get an uh, unexpected uh, extra home game here. Uh, obviously not... not uh, you know, it's not the circumstances any of us would want it under, um, and, and certainly the thoughts and prayers go out to everybody affected by 
by the hurricane. Uh, certainly the, the Tulane football team, uh, all that they've been going through being relocated. Yeah, I know a lot of guys, you know, from that area, you know, so certainly thoughts and prayers with them, their families, the staff, the families, um, you know, excited that we were able to come together and find a way to, to make this happen and give credit to, to both administrations for, for doing a lot of work in a short amount of time. It's, uh, you know, even me being on, on this side of it, you don't really realize all it takes to put together a football game and to host this many people and to do it on, on short notice when you didn't expect the game to be here as a, a huge undertaking, but you know, I think one we wanted to, to be able to do it, you know, for Tulane to be able to keep the game on. I'm excited to to be able to play another game here, and I'm sure, you know, fans will respond and, and we'll have a, a great atmosphere in there uh, Saturday morning. So obviously, can't wait to get started. The first game, always a ton of anticipation, and uh, certainly this one no different for us. Uh, I, like the way that we prepared, I feel like that we're that we're ready to play. We're ready to finally go play somebody else. Uh, ready to see what this team uh, is going to look like here early in the season. How young guys are going to come along. The chemistry, uh, adapting to to kind of all that's new. It's it's all been a bunch of challenges for us, and we'll get a good a good litmus test here on Saturday about where we're at. So. I uh, have a lot of respect for for Tulane. You know, Coach Fritz, have, have uh, you know watched him for for a long time, and uh, he's he's one of the best. He's done a tremendous job there. You know, he's been able to do it amid you know some staff changes, player changes. There's been just kind of constant level of high, uh, a constant of high level football, and uh, so a lot of respect for those guys. Uh, they. Um, had, a, had a really strong season last year, and we're, we're agonizingly close to winning several more. So uh, a lot of respect for the team, some really good players coming back, and be a, a fun challenge here for our opener. Uh, so with that, we'll jump into questions. Okay, we'll go to Ryan Aver, Oklahoma. Yeah, Lincoln, I wanted to ask you about the, the running back situation there, uh, especially behind uh, Kennedy and, uh, and Eric Gray. Uh, what, what's your short-term plan and and you know, long-term sort of uh, uh, options there uh, behind those two guys? Yeah, you know, we've still got four guys there that we feel confident with. I mean, honestly, it, you can never predict that you're going to have what has happened. I mean, that's, you, you name it, it's, it's just been one of those years and it's kind of all hit in one group and, you know, went from being maybe the deepest position on the team to obviously taking a lot of unexpected hits. So that's, uh, that's part of it. I think of any position group on the team, this was probably the one most built to weather it. Uh, so I guess in some ways lucky that, that, that it did come at this group and we still have two very good experienced players there. And then I've been real impressed with, with Jaden Knowles and Todd Hudson. I really have. I mean, honestly, you know, even before the latest departure, those by, those, both those two were certainly going to play for us. I mean, there was no question about it. Um, so excited about those guys. We've got four we feel good about uh yeah and as far as I, I think i think that'll be primarily what we use but um, you know us we've got you know several other you know different skill sets on this football team and we'll keep trying to figure out the best way to use everybody Eric Bailey, the world. kind of staying on the same mode do you expect the top two guys to get even more carries than maybe years past the top two guys would have got and also is jeremiah hall someone you could see planning in that similar to what you did at Iowa State a few years ago? Yeah, the top two guys I think could. I, I think it certainly makes sense that they could have an opportunity to, to both be very productive, you know, maybe, you know, closer back to the 
Samaj JP Ryan, Joe Mixon days, you know, when we got both those guys pretty involved. So I think you could, you know, certainly we're going to rely heavily on those two, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, and as far as Jeremiah, I, I would put him in the list of guys that have played a lot of snaps on this offense that are very versatile, that, that I think mentally and physically could handle it. But I certainly don't think he's the only one, but he's absolutely an option for us there. I mean, he's, he, as far from a player's per perspective, he knows our offense as good as any guy that we have. Lincoln, uh, I, I know you sometimes don't like talking about guys that are here, but given the strange situation, I, I wanted to ask about Trey Bradford. Can you address what happened or how that all went down? Were you surprised, I think, as everybody else was, that that, that ended the way it did? I, I was. I mean, I, I honestly, not to keep anything from you guys, I would love to explain what happened. I don't, I really don't have an explanation. So, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not trying to keep anything. It it was, uh, you know, a, a strange situation. You know, it's part of the, you know, it's part of the deal with the transfer portal. Uh, you know, and and then even in a COVID year, you know, you're bringing in you're bringing in some people that you just flat out know less about. I mean, you can do all the homework and all you want, but you just don't know. And I will say up to this point, I mean, the transfers we brought in. I mean, the you know the majority of these guys have been have been fabulous. I mean, you know, I'm excited to obviously see them play, you know, here on Saturdays this fall. But I mean, within our program, uh, buying into our culture, being good teammates. I mean, these guys by and large have exceeded expectations. Uh, but on that one, we we swung and we obviously missed and made a mistake. Lincoln, how does DeMarco handle all of this? You mentioned there's so many things that, that are out of his control. Has mm -hmm. it been tough for him? What's been your advice to sort of get him through this? No, he's, he's, a, he's a pretty constant, uh, very consistent guy in terms of his mentality. You know, I, I think he's, you know, he's weathered ups and downs in his own career. And, and, and I think, you know, he's been in locker rooms. He's seen situations happen. So, no, I, I think he's got a lot of confidence in the guys in there. And that's been our focus is we're going to coach the guys that are in there and uh, feel good about that. And so, no, I, I don't think so at all. I don't think he's been rocked by it. He's, a uh, again, a very, very steady guy and a great person to, to handle the room in any situation, uh, even one like this. So, I think... He's going to continue to coach our guys that are in there at a high level and, and doing everything that he can to get them ready to play. So, um, you know, I, maybe maybe going through what we all did last year has made us a little hardened to it. But it's just like, you know, when something like this comes up or you move a game, it's like, all right, what's up, what's up next? And uh, that's, that's been our mentality. Coach, I was actually wanting to dig into that a little bit more. It seems like, you know, most of the changes would affect Tulane and like maybe the OU game operations people. but. How does this change in situation affect you, your planning, anything like that? Not much. I mean, really, we don't get on a plane. I mean, other than that, a Friday schedule for a home game is a slightly different just because of that. But I mean, not not much at all. I mean, preparation will be the same. Um, you know, it's going to be going to be a little warm outside, whether we were playing in New Orleans or, or playing here. Um, so. You know, I think the biggest thing for us was, was being able to communicate with the guys and, and with their families right away because you had so many families that were planning, you know, to come there and now have to switch plans around. So we told the guys it's it's kind of two different categories. There's the family side, the planning, all that stuff, which we'll we'll handle that for the team. Again, it's it's instead of a plane ride, we're gonna be on a bus to our hotel and a bus back over to the stadium. Other than that, I mean, you guys know us. We 
we, we love playing everywhere. Excited we get another one. But if they'd have told us it was a neutral site, if they would have told us it was anywhere on this planet, we'd have been ready to play. to when Jaden Knowles showed up on campus, um, transferring from Swazoo, and um, what did you know about him? What did you expect from him? It sounds like his meteorology love is a big part of why you guys were where he ended up, but just rewind on that a little bit and what you remember from that. Yeah, I remember his name coming across uh, Drew Hill's desk, and um, you know we, we got a chance to see his film and knew he was interested in, in transferring here, and we liked him enough on tape that we felt like, you know, no question that we would, you know, let him walk on and, and thought he could come be a productive member. And then, honestly, I learned more about the meteorology after he was on the team. You know, I remember a couple of guys saying something about it. And then, obviously, uh, you know, the, the clip that went, you know, viral on uh, on social media happened. And, yeah, now, I mean, that's, I mean, everybody. That's just kind of what you know him as. I mean, he's the weatherman. And, uh yeah, we, we, we bust on him a little bit. We got a report from our weather guys the other day, and it was in training camp. Uh, we knew it was going to be some weather, but they said, hey, you know, lightning, we're all going to be good. So we go out we go to rugby fields where we typically do training camp, and we're not on the field for two minutes. Boom, huge lightning strike. Everybody just starts looking at him like it was his fault. So it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty funny. So, yeah, we bust on him if we get a bad, uh, a bad forecast. But... Uh, you know, and you can hear the guys making comments. Like if he makes a good rain, you know, it's all somebody will say it's sunny and nice and bad, you know, something bad say it's cloudy and stormy. And you hear all all kinds of it. So we've had fun with it, uh, and it's cool that that kid's been able to come here and kind of attack his passion. So yeah, pretty cool story. Yeah, Lincoln. The, um, you've, you've spoken in the past about the, the changes that are coming in college football and how maybe there might be some unforeseen consequences. Is this the Trey Bradford thing? Is that one of those consequences where maybe they didn't think it through? Like, sure, you can transfer wherever you want. Oh, now you can transfer back wherever you want. Is that one of those deals where it's like, what are you supposed to do as a coach? Yeah, it, it, it is. Um, you know, you never know people's, you know, true intentions on it. Um, and again, especially in a, you know, the COVID environment has certainly complicated it. I mean, even, even, you know, hopefully soon when, you know, maybe we're not dealing with COVID, it, it's still going to be an issue. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's – you just don't – that was a different situation. You get guys like uh, like Wanye or, or Keyshawn or guys like that that we recruited out of high school, we knew a little bit about. You just – you feel like you've gone through – even though they didn't sign with you immediately, you know, if a guy ends up transferring back, you feel like you've been through a little bit of that process and learned a little bit about these kids. And, and it's never even 100% there. But, yeah, certainly these transfers, as they're going back and forth, it is more unpredictable. I mean, there, there's no doubt. I mean, you, in some ways, you know more about the player because they've played college football, but you may know less about all the other stuff because you didn't go to go through a normal process. So there's certainly some give and take there. And uh, you know, so we're, you know, we're trying to be very diligent when we bring in a transfer of doing our homework. And and, and we were with Trey. I mean, again, you're just you're not going to hit on every single one. I mean, I. As far as you look at the whole group of transfers that we brought in, I mean, again, from buy-in and culture guys and guys doing the right thing, we've batted a tremendous percentage. But, you know, we, we did. We missed on this one. I mean, we just we, we flat out did. And uh, so, you know, you're going to continue to go back, learn, evolve your processes, um, keep trying to figure out 
like we would in any situation, whether it was a transfer, high school recruit, if we did miss, you know, why did we miss? What did we miss? Could we have seen this? Sometimes we find things that we could do better, and sometimes there's things that come up that you just, I, I, just, I don't know how you would have known. And uh, so, but we've got to control the things that we can, and, and if there's things there that we can do better, then I promise you we're looking to do that. Real quick, do you bring that up with the FCA and rule changes, rule meet, the meetings, I mean, the, uh, the rule meetings that you attend? It's, yeah. This is something that happened to us, and we want to address it. No, no question. Yeah, I mean, I think Todd Berry and those guys have, have been great as far as us being able to reach out uh, and talk to about issues that come up, uh, you know, issues that maybe you feel like prevent you from doing your job at a high level. And uh, so, no, it's and, – and I think the transfer – uh, policy, all that's going on with that are still constantly evolving. I, mean, I think we all knew when this started that there was going to be some hiccups, there was going to be some missteps, and maybe, you know, as, as we get a little more data on it and all of us coaches, uh, all of all the players kind of get a little more experience with it, hopefully we can continue to kind of tighten it down and make it better. Mm -hmm. Come over to the right hand table. Yeah. With the, the amount of D linemen that, that Alex prefers to, to roll into games, how much does that? Has that changed the level of competition or practice over the last couple of years? A lot, a lot. It's, uh, I think, it, for a lot of reasons. I think, I think one, the the scheme, you know, in our system here, is so D line friendly and allowing. I think every D lineman walks on the field with the knowing they got an opportunity to make a play, you know, and 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 I think that is. I think exciting for our guys. I think just the opportunities to make plays with the snaps that you have. Um, and that was one big thing we identified with him coming in is we, we wanted to build a D-line that, that you just can't go play 80 snaps and play at the same level as if you played 50 snaps. I don't care who you are. I don't care how good a shape you're in. You have one guy 50 at his best and one guy 80 at his best. The guys 50 are going to look better than the other guys 80. It just is what it is. And so, but that, that's taken time. I mean, it's taken recruiting. It's taken changing the bodies of some of these guys. As you see, I don't think we have a D lineman right now over 300 pounds. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of taken the development, um, moving pieces, guys that can play multiple positions. But I, there's no question it's created. It's great competition, and I think just a lot of opportunities. I mean, I think our players see that, you know, yeah, if I'm a starter, I could got a chance to get a lot of reps. But even if I'm a two, even if I'm a three, I'm going to have a chance to go in and impact the game and a chance to go make plays and show the coaches why should – if I'm a three, why should I be a two? Or if I'm a two, why should I be a one? And so, uh, no, it's kept it healthy. It's, it's – we've played at a higher level. Our effort level, uh, playing relentless, has been, has been better. I think we because of that, we're also – our younger guys that maybe in, in previous years were maybe wouldn't have been playing much or at all, they're playing a bigger chunk. So they're developing and getting more ready to be ones maybe later on in their career. So it's been a, it's been a healthy cycle. It's kind of taken bringing all those things together for it to, to work how I think we all envisioned when, when Alex and the new staff came in. But it's, uh, you know, I think it's certainly been the right path. Calvin talks about positionless football and, and kind of where it's going. but. Does that free you up in recruiting to just say, find the best big-bodied athletes instead of just getting slotted into this guy has to be 310 pounds or whatever? It does, and I think it also you know causes you to maybe miss less because, again, with these guys, almost similar to the other question, but more on a, a, with the physical traits is you can't always predict how these guys' bodies are going to develop when they get here. You know, you may peg a guy. 
you know, he's 235 pounds coming to high school, and you think, you know, he's going to be an edge guy, you know, be an end, be a rush linebacker for us. And all of a sudden, he gets in there, and the body just blows up, and he's 265, 270 pounds. And you start thinking, well, maybe he's more of a three technique. So, now you're exactly right. For us, it's more about let's get the, the best front guys that we possibly can. Um, you know, let's develop them. And we want guys that have a wide range of skill sets to play multiple positions or even, I mean, even in our scheme, you could be a three technique your entire time and play in all different gaps, attacking all different kinds of offensive linemen. So even if you maybe stay at the same position, the jobs that we ask because we have so much movement and so many creative things up front, you better be able to do all that well or it limits us and what we can call when you're in the game. where you were last year going into your opener with regard to COVID and roster management, just how, how crazy that was for you all. What, where are you now? Uh, you feel better about your management, the program's management of, of the virus? Are, are there still sleepless moments for you leading up to a, a game knowing you, you still have guys that might, might be in some limbo? Sure. No, I mean, I, I definitely, I mean, I definitely feel better relative to last year. I mean, you know, we're, you know, 95% plus vaccinated, uh, you know, staff's basically entirely vaccinated. And so, I mean, I think, you know, you're, you feel better because there is some degree of protection. And because most of us have been through this a little bit, you, you, you've, you've learned uh, how to deal with certain things as they come up. But I, I mean, like everybody out there right now, this, this Delta variant is, is obviously it's a serious deal and it's, it's, you know, maybe some of that degree of security or comfort that we all felt there for a while has, has started to be diminished a little bit. And I know it certainly has within our walls. So we're, you know, honestly, we're closer right now from a protocol standpoint to where we were last year than maybe I thought we would be right now. Um, you know, there's still a lot of things that we're having to modify to to try to help and ensure that our guys are are in the best positions they can be, both staff and players. Uh, so you certainly, you still feel its presence, you know, and I think as you get closer to game week, we're now, I mean, every positive test likely means, I mean, we play nine straight weeks. So every positive test from here on out likely means two games minimum. I mean, that for a staff member, for a player, it's, you feel it a little more right now. I mean, it just, when it, when it starts costing you games, it's just a different different type feel. So. I think it's on everybody's minds, and we're, you know, we're trying to find the right place to be with, you know, again, some, you know, majority of people vaccinated. You know, you don't want to just be too rigid, but at the same time, you got to realize what's going on with this Delta variant. We certainly don't want to get behind or dig ourselves in a hole. So it's a, it's, it's not an easy balance right now. Do you anticipate having a full complement of guys uh, for this Saturday? Uh, I do, I do. I don't have. Anybody right now that uh, that I would mark is out today, other than uh, than Ryan Peoples, who I think we discussed before, not COVID related. Um, but I mean, we're all kind of back to living day to day there too. Yeah, Lincoln, Spencer comes into this season with you know the highest level of hype that we can have. Have you done? Have you taken any steps to try to temper that, protecting from that, or counseling with that? Or have you just used your normal protocols and, 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 and culture that you normally have? Uh, we've, we've talked about it. You know, we, we certainly have. I mean, I, it was a little different conversation going into last year. You know, last year was a little bit more, you know, kind of year one. You need to 
you know, take a step back, take it all in. There's going to be new challenges, you know, and, and there'll be new challenges this year as well. But I think the conversation this year has been more about it's going to be a, a daily fight for him to just stay focused on the things that are going to matter and things that are going to make the difference in the end and, and realize that doing those little things well on the field, off the field are going to be what determines your success, not what somebody writes or some outside expectation. And uh, so we try to keep him focused on, you know, meeting his own and our expectations um, and, and him being a productive member of this team. And, uh, you know, and I think that's why you saw that he was, you know, chosen as one of our as one of our captains, you know, I, I think he's he's done a good job of that uh, so far. I think he's handled a lot of the things on the outside. It, it doesn't. I certainly haven't seen that affect his day to day. I mean, he's he's practiced an extremely high level. He's a he's a much better player right now than he was at any point last year. Mason Young. Lincoln wanted to ask you about a guy that's put a little ball for you and, and for Tulane as well, Michael Jones. I know maybe his his career on the field at OU didn't pan out maybe how you kind of thought it would, but can you still see somewhat the impacts of his leadership and his print on this team from the time that he was here? No, he was great. Michael was great. He was um, was a coach favorite, was a player favorite, uh, just a kind of one of those guys that was always for the team and uh, did kind of anything necessary to do it, had a positive attitude, had, had a lot of different roles, made a lot of big plays here. Um, but but always was a team first guy and very competitive. So now he he made us better during his time here. We we had a blast coaching him um, when he made the move. We certainly we understood it. Um, you know it wasn't one of those ones that we've had from time to time where you kind of scratch your head a little bit. We understood it and I'm you know, glad to see that, that that he's doing well. But was certainly one of our favorites while he was here. Flip side of that, you you talked about when you first got here wanting to impact players off the field. Is it encouraging when you see someone? in his case, for one an example, someone who's left the program really still being impacted by what they experienced here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think they're all going to leave the program at some point, you know, whether it's to another program, whether it's the job world, whether it's the NFL, whatever it is. And so, no, that's, that's one of our, you know, that's one of the best things I think you can do as far as a program to see, you know, if, if you're being successful in that regard as far as impacting their lives and the way you're, your way you're trying to mold them and shape them here is is what do they do when they leave you know and are they being productive are they being successful have they taken some of that and so whether it's him or anybody else and 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 no matter what field they're having success the seeing those guys have success that that way is is about as good as it gets for us like you said you announced your captain but i want to specifically ask you about caleb kelly a uh, guy that's been in your program for a long time. What does it do? How beneficial is it having him uh, just in your program and uh, for so long and what he's done? Yeah, I, I, you know, was when the team voted, I was excited to see that. It wasn't a surprise, but um, yeah, you think about that guy's journey. I mean, from a you know high-profile recruit, one of the highest, high, most highly recruited guys that, that you know we've signed here. Um, comes in, has a large degree of success. You know, by the end of the season on that Sugar Bowl team, you know he's one of the he's one of our best playmakers on defense. I think up to this point, he's had either four or five position coaches now. You know, he's played in two defensive schemes. He's had some of the highest of highs. He's had some of the lowest of lows. You know, a couple of knee surgeries, all that's gone on. And I, you know, told the team the other day when we announced him as a captain. I mean, you think about him coming into this year. Um, 
you know, of all the guys that maybe could have said, well, maybe we want to take a look somewhere else. You know, maybe I want to, I'm, I'm a West Coast kid. You know, I've had a, a, you know, a lot of positives here, but a lot of things just hadn't gone my way. Maybe, maybe I go transfer and go do this somewhere else. Or maybe I, you know, I've had these two knee injuries. Maybe I don't play football anymore. You know, and I, for that guy to, to stay here and want to be a part of this was, uh, I just think, spoke volumes to how much he, he cares about this place, this program. Uh, how much it means to him, you know, how much he wants to go chase a championship with this team and this group of guys. And, and he's, a, he's an Oklahoma guy. And uh, so I just, ton, ton of character. And he's a great example, again, I, I think for all young players out there. He, he's a great example. And I, I you know, he's going to have a lot of great moments uh, here this year, but it was really cool to see him announce as a captain. Because in, in some way, it was kind of like, not the end of the journey, but in some ways it was kind of like, you know what, this is, this is why I did this, you know, to come back and be a leader on this team and be an impact player here in my last season. So it was a, it was a cool moment. The team, they were excited when everybody was announced, the other three captains, but there was a little bit different reception for Caleb, which was pretty cool. You know, Lincoln, throughout training camp, you talked about the great competition you had in the offensive line. You have a lot of good players there. So as you get ready to go into your first game, how has it taken out, and what are you going to do there going into the Tulane game? Yeah, I, th I think we're getting pretty close. Um, you know, we've, we've started to, to mess around with a few different lineups, uh, but I think you know it's certainly starting to, to narrow in. You know, I think uh, you know I think Tyrese Robinson will 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 start at right tackle. I feel pretty certain of that. Um, I, I believe Chris Murray will will start at right guard. Center could kind of go either direction right now, probably either Rame or, or Conjol there right now. Um, you know, I feel like Marquis Hayes has, has solidified himself as a starting left guard. Uh, the other tackle position, I, I think we'll play multiple guys, and I think we will at both tackle positions, but between you know, Eric Swenson, uh, uh, Anton Harrison, Wanye Morris, I, I think those three, with, with, along with Tyrese, we feel like we've got four pretty good tackles. And, uh, so yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. I think we'll try to play a few different lineups in this first game uh, to get you know to get everybody out there on the field and kind of see how they do in a game situation. Um, but you know, they've been productive. Uh, I like the mentality of the group right now. I'm excited to see them play. I know you say you uh, you're ready to play somebody else. Is there something about a game you can only learn about, say, like your defense? that only a game can really teach you something you want to find out that you don't know right now. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, there, there's a lot. I, the games just feel different. They just do. Um, I think defensively, you're always looking to see how do you tackle. I mean, I think from, from second one, the tackle, the physicality of the tackles, uh, you know, being able to limit explosive plays, I think, is a huge one uh, that we're – Excited to see, uh, obviously, getting a chance to, to go live on a quarterback. You know, we don't do that, uh, but we've got, you know, some guys up front that, that do a good job of getting after the quarterback. And so we, can we create the type of pressure and cause the, the turnovers and all the havoc back there um, that sometimes you don't quite see in a practice setting where you're protecting a quarterback. And then, and then one big thing, you know, for us has been, you know, we weren't, a, we weren't a very smart football team early in the season last year. Uh, you know, mental mistakes, penalties, kind of all of the above, and that's been a huge push for us. Um, you know, we, we finished last season as, uh, I think, one of the smartest football teams in the country. We were tremendous at it at the end of the year, but can we, can we do that early? And we've pushed like, like crazy for that throughout the entire camp, both with the, 
you know, the, the plan, uh, the emphasis with the players, emphasis from the coach and staff. And, and so I'm excited to see how smart we can go out there and play in game one. Lincoln, uh, back to one of the transfers, Mike Woods. What, what did you see in him when you were looking at bringing him in? And then has he done anything to even kind of exceed what you thought of him? Yeah, he's, he's been, he's one of those in the category that's been a great teammate to have in here. Great guy to coach, bought in culture, everything, day one. Um, so he, he's been a joy to have. Uh, you know, we got to see a lot of game tape on him, you know, and he was very productive and impressive. Uh, and, and he's backed that up here. He's, he's, you know, a big, very explosive human being uh, that, that can really, can really go. Uh, he can really go up and high point the ball. Uh, talented player, so excited to see him play for live. You know, haven't been able to do that yet, but I think he's. Uh, I think he could be a weapon out there. He'll certainly be in that that rotation, and we'll get to see a lot of him on Saturday. A couple more back to Jason Curzon. Yeah, uh, Lincoln. I wanted to ask you about Brian Darby. He's a kid who played a lot of running back in high school. Given the talent you have at the, in the receiver room, is, is Brian a guy who could potentially be, play running back for you this year? Yeah, he, he's, he's another guy I would say that's a possibility. Uh, he was a good player in high school, kind of a do-it-all guy. Um, and so, you know, we've got several of our guys, you know, in that receiving core as well that, that were able to move around and do some different things at, at high school and that we think are pretty good with the ball in their hands. So, uh, you know, we're not going to jump the gun here. You know, we may look at a few guys here early and, and see what they do, look at a few guys behind the scenes. But I, I would say right now, I mean, you know, if, if obviously if we have injuries or lose other people, we're going to have to adjust. But right now, we, we feel pretty good with those four guys right now going in. Coach Michael Pratt had a pretty good year last year for Tulane. You as a guy who watches quarterbacks, what stands out to you about him? Yeah, really poised uh, throughout the year. You know, they they scored a lot of points. You know, they were pretty good offensively. Uh, I think, I think you think you see with him is he's an active guy. I mean, he can. That's always one thing you look at first defensively. You know, is how does he move around? You know, can he beat you with his legs? Can he beat you in scramble situations? And he and he certainly can. So, you know, impressed by him. And uh, you know, we're certainly expecting to see a. You know, a, a, a natural jump for him, like you would with any with any quarterback going into the next year of starting. That you know, you, you feel like you're going to see a big jump, and we won't. We'll probably see a much better player than we saw on tape, and we saw a very good player on tape. So uh, we'll have to do a good job containing him. Again, he's active, can move around, can really beat you with his legs. And I think that'll be a big one of the big keys for us Saturday is uh, not letting him get out, get out in space, and make plays. Okay, last one, Teddy Carlson. Uh, one desk, one other question, thinking about uh, Spencer. Um, the story goes that Tim Kish actually was the first one to see him. Mm-hmm. Wonder if you could remember what Tim said to you the first yeah. time he brought up Spencer, and have you got many texts or calls from Tim in the last year saying, "I told you so." Yeah, no, it, that's it's right. We were in the uh, we were in the Bud Wilkinson. We were still in that facility, and uh, Tim came into my office one day and said, "Hey." I, there's this guy in Arizona, um, and he had all his obviously previous connections from being out there. That's got this young quarterback. He said, "He's just going to be a freshman. You probably, you know, you, you may be too early to look at him." And so I, I, I popped him on right then, and you could, you know, the tape jumped out. And so 
Yeah, we, we, we started, we made contact pretty quickly there with, with his coaches and, and then uh, the recruiting process started. But no, Tim was, Tim found him. I mean, there's 100%, uh, along with a lot of other good players on this roster, Brian Osimo and several others that, that, that Tim Kish found. So he always had a knack for finding some of those guys that maybe were under the radar or finding guys early in their career before people knew about them. And uh, yeah, no, he's, he's, he's stayed in touch throughout Spencer's years and, I think he's always been excited to see, you know, Spencer doing well along with these other guys. And he's somebody I still, you know, continually stay in touch with. So he deserves a ton of credit. Is there anything about identifying a guy so young that, I mean, does that take, I don't know, does it take something, a, a, a special eye to say, here's a 14-year-old that we think can project to be a starter? Yeah, I think, you know, Tim was a grinder. You know, he worked really hard at it, and there just wasn't going to be guys in his in his area or kind of under his watch that were going to go under the radar. And so you just, you always knew that you weren't going to, there wasn't going to be somebody there that you didn't know about. And uh, no, nah, he, he was. I think he just, I think, his years of experience was just very confident in his evaluations, regardless of how a guy's age or, or uh, how many stars he had or any of that. He didn't care about it. You know, it's kind of like projecting Brian Osamoa to, uh, to projecting him to play linebacker. You know, there wasn't much of that on tape at all. And all of a sudden, you jump into you know now he's you know, phys- physically speaking, I mean he's kind of what you want. And uh, but so many people wouldn't have done it and didn't do it. And so. Uh, Tim had a great eye for that, and anytime he brought somebody to me, I could I could trust that there was going to be something to it. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind Casino, still the one, and by Allstate, proud partner of Oklahoma Athletics. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast, and make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Sooner Sports Network.